C.S. Lewis read Psalms and wondered why the God of the Bible required his people to praise him. Does the Lord Almighty possess a big ego that requires constant affirmation? That did not seem plausible to the Cambridge intellectual. Lewis concluded that God receives unfiltered praise without it making his head swell in pride and that he is truly worthy of all praise. Besides, directing our praise to God keeps us from thinking more highly of ourselves than we should. Thus, it should not surprise us that even the angels of heaven sing repeatedly, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. If only Lucifer had remained content in the angelic choir. I'm Ron Jones, and this is something good. Dr. Ron Jones calls it God's Playlist. Listen to it next, right here on Something Good Radio. Hello, I'm Brian Davis, and wherever you are and however you might be listening, thanks for making us part of your day. Well, many believers in Christ would say the book of Psalms is one of their two or three favorite books in the Bible. If you need to recharge your batteries or refuel your soul, the book of Psalms is the place to go. Ron takes us to God's playlist next as he moves ahead in this teaching series, Route 66, The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible. Stop by somethinggoodradio.org anytime to listen to the broadcast on your schedule. That's somethinggoodradio.org. You can also subscribe to the podcast at Spotify, at Google Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Now here's Ron with today's Something Good Radio message, Psalms, Ancient Songs That Shape the Heart. Well, no book in the Bible is more beloved than the book of Psalms. Uh, we've been learning on the ultimate road trip through the Bible that uh, this book we call the Bible is actually a collection of 66 books. And it can seem a little bit overwhelming at times, but uh, uh, the book of Psalms, if, if, if we were to you know, survey everybody today of what your favorite book is, you know, myself included, I, I might list in the top three to five the book of Psalms. Uh, we learned earlier on the ultimate road trip through the Bible, I love Leviticus, right? And hopefully you still do. I, I, I still love Leviticus. Wow, was that a great book to, uh, to go through. But uh, we really love the Psalms. Uh, we go there often as followers of Jesus and we, uh, we saturate our minds and our hearts with this part of this wisdom library in the Old Testament. Uh, when you read the Psalms as they should be read with the head and the heart, this collection of um, poems and songs in the Old Testament help us connect with the passion of God. And they help us also connect with our own emotions, which, which you may find difficult to do at times. For example, when you don't know what to pray, when you don't know how to express yourself to God, when you don't know what's appropriate to say or not to say, find a fitting psalm uh, to, to, to pray back to God. And it's one, one use of the psalms that's very, very wonderful. Psalms is truly a rest stop on the ultimate road trip through the Bible. It is a place where we fuel up our soul. Maybe you came to church today needing a little bit of soul care or uh, needing to fuel up uh, your relationship with God, the Psalms is a great place to do that. But let, let's go back to the beginning a little bit. What is 
A psalm, well here's my definition, a psalm is a prayer or poem put to music as a spiritual song or a hymn. Sounds simple enough, but this sacred collection of psalms in the Old Testament is really God's playlist of greatest hits. Uh, maybe you have a, an iTunes account or a Spotify account and you, you have your, your favorites on there, your playlist, we call it. Psalms is God's playlist. It was written over um, about a thousand years. It has multiple authors. We'll talk about that in a moment. But uh, through divine inspiration, they were written. They were later compiled. We have 150 psalms to choose from and to read. And it's part of God's uh, playlist of, of greatest hits. Uh, the first hymnal or songbook of the early church, back in Acts chapter 2 and even centuries after that, was the book of Psalms, because these, these poems were meant to be uh, uh, sung. They were Hebrew, Hebrew songs. I mentioned earlier that there are multiple authors and multiple contributors to the Psalms, and those include, of course, King David. He didn't write all of them, but he, he penned most of them. 73 of the Psalms are attributed to David, but there's a, another worship leader that was in Jerusalem around the time of David back in the Kings and the Chronicles era. His name was Asaph, and 12 of the Psalms are attributed to him. There was another group of worship leaders known as the Sons of Korah, and uh, they, they, they uh, have written 12 of the Psalms. Uh, Moses wrote one of the Psalms, Psalm chapter 90, one of my favorites, and he wrote it near the end of his life. There's a, a Psalm written by Ethan and uh, Heman, uh, we I don't know much about those authors. And that, that totals about 100 of the 150 Psalms. The rest of them are anonymous. Uh, we don't know who penned them under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit or how they were compiled. Uh, King David, of course, is the one that we associate most with the, the Psalms. He's, he's called the sweet psalmist of Israel in 2 Samuel chapter 23. He is certainly the most prolific of the Psalm writers with 73 of the Psalms. Uh, attributed to him. Uh, for that reason, Charles Haddon Spurgeon, the great Baptist preacher, um, referred to the Psalms as the treasury of David. And he wrote a commentary on the Psalms as a uh, seminary student, a master's student. One of the collections of commentaries you have to get is Spurgeon's treasury of David. And it's his uh, work in the Psalms. We know David this prolific psalm writer as sort of a renaissance man. He was a king, a monarch, he was a shepherd, he was a warrior. But psalms remind us that he was a musician and he was a poet. If all you know of David is, you know, he was a musician and a poet, you might think David is a little bit of a softy and psalms are for softies. But David, the, the warrior, the, the guy who defeated Goliath with a sling and a stone, also wrote lyrics and he, he put poems to music, and David is a reminder that psalms are not for sissies. Can I say that in church? They aren't. Say that with me. Come on now. Psalms are not for sissies. No, they aren't. Uh, David wrote his psalms when embattled by his enemies, and when he found himself up against the proverbial wall. Remember when Saul was chasing him and dogging him? David wrote a lot of his psalms during those times. He found strength in the Lord who sustained him through many dangers and toils and snares. And uh, The psalms are, are poems put to music, but they're not for uh, chicken-hearted yellow bellies. No. No, they're for real men and women who just want to connect with God on a deeper level and connect with their own emotions. Because you'll find every emotion known to human beings, expressed 
in the Psalms. And that's part of the reason they're so beloved. Warren Wiersbe, the great Bible teacher, said, when you study the Psalms, you move into the holy of holies where the heart communes with God. You can't read the Psalms just with your head as an intellectual exercise. It needs to be read with the head and the heart. Now, as always, uh, on our study of the scriptures through Route 66, I provide you with a chart in your notes, kind of a bird's eye view of a book, and I've done that with the book of Psalms. I've broken the Psalms, all 150 of them, into five groups. That's how most scholars and most Bible teachers see them. Um, and in group one, which is about the first uh, 41 Psalms, uh, they're penned uh, mostly by King David. In group two, David and the sons of Korah uh, contribute to uh, Psalm 42 through 72. Asaph gets credit for most of the Psalms in group three, which is 73 to 89. Group four is a collection of Psalms written by anonymous authors. We, we don't know exactly who they were, who contributed. And then in group five, uh, some more of those anonymous authors and King David uh, contribute from about 107 to 150. Why is Psalms compiled in this way? Well, some people see a parallel between how they were compiled you know, after about a thousand years and uh, a parallel with the Torah, the first five books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. And maybe there is a grouping of the Psalms according to the themes that we see in the Torah, themes like creation, deliverance, worship, uh, Israel's wilderness wanderings, and the covenant commitment that God made that is you know, seen in the last book of the Torah, the book of Deuteronomy. Maybe there's some uh, correlation between the two. But uh, again, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, these uh, authors penned these works, and they were compiled later, and uh, it's just interesting to kind of think about all that. But the big question is, how do we get our arms around 150 chapters in one sermon, I think the best way to go about this is to talk about uh, the Psalms categorically, the types of Psalms that we find, because that helps us think about how um, we, we can read the Psalms for our own spiritual soul care. Why do these ancient songs really shape the heart? Well, the categories and types of Psalm help us understand that, starting with um, the praise Psalms. These are perhaps the best known the ones that invite us to worship God and to come into his presence with praise, I call them the yay God psalms, you know? The ones that just, you just wanna shout yay God for all the great mighty works that he has done. For example, Psalm chapter 19 is a praise psalm and it begins this way. The heavens declare the glory of God and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. Now can't you just imagine King David or maybe shepherd boy David, we don't know exactly the time in his life, stepping out on a, a, a starry night and just being filled with uh, overwhelming and spontaneous praise as he looked up into the heavens and just says, the heavens declare the glory of God and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. He, he just couldn't help himself from praising God when he looked at creation. Psalm 19 is that uh, praise psalm. At the other end of the book of Psalms, go from 19 to 148, and David writes, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise him in the heights. Praise him, all his angels. Praise him, all his hosts. 
Don't go away. We're only about halfway through today's message with Dr. Ron Jones, lead pastor at Atlantic Shores Baptist Church in Virginia Beach, Virginia. Today's teaching is part of Ron's series, Route 66, The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible. Hello, friend. I'm Ron Jones of Something Good Radio. All scripture is profitable for teaching and reproof. But let's face it, God gave us a lot of scripture. 66 books and more than 600,000 words, and it can sometimes be a little overwhelming to read. That's why I wrote my new book, The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible, to help you navigate your way through the highways and byways of God's Word and see how it all fits together so brilliantly, how every path, every passage, and every page points to Jesus, who is the Christ. The book comes in two volumes, Volume 1 covers the 39 books of the Old Testament, while Volume 2 takes you through each of the 27 New Testament books. Both are now available to order, and I'd love to send them to you today. Here's Brian with details. The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible, Volume 1 and 2 can be yours today by request for your gift of $50 or more to support the ministry of something good. When you order the print versions, you'll also get instant access to the Route 66 Digital Library, a $275 value. The online library includes electronic versions of the book, plus video sermons, audio messages, and downloadable sermon notes on all 66 books of the Bible. Visit somethinggoodradio.org to request the two-volume set and to gain immediate access to the Route 66 Digital Library. That's somethinggoodradio.org. Pastor Ron, there are so many good books published every year. Why should someone buy The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible? And who did you have in mind when you wrote these literary travel guides through the Old and New Testaments? You know, Brian, your questions make me think of the words of wise Solomon in Ecclesiastes 12 and verse 12. Of the making of many books, he writes, there is no end. And oh, how true that is. For what it's worth, as a Bible teaching pastor for more than 30 years, the ultimate road trip through the Bible is my way of helping people understand the overall story of Scripture and how all 66 books of the Bible fit together into a unified work of the Holy Spirit. I wrote with all kinds of people in mind, starting with the serious Bible student, even those who teach the Bible. I'm thinking of pastors, Sunday school teachers, and small group Bible study leaders who might use these two volumes in their preparation. But I also wrote for the person who is just getting acquainted with the Bible, which we all know is the best-selling book of all time. Brian, you can read The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible from beginning to end like any other book, or place it in your Bible study toolbox. I know that if you're a lifelong learner of God's Word as I am, you will return to the ultimate road trip through the Bible repeatedly. As companions to your personal Bible study, these books will always help you see the big picture before you dive into the details of any book of the Bible. That's why I'll be ordering my own copy, Pastor Ron. We're so glad you decided to share this important book with us. And you can get your copy today by going to somethinggoodradio.org. Both volumes of this great resource are yours as our way of saying thanks when you make a gift of $50 or more to support the ministry of Something Good. Give online at somethinggoodradio.org or over the phone by calling our offices at 757-276-1099 or mail your gift to P.O. Box 6245, Virginia Beach, Virginia 23456. 
Why does God ask us to praise Him? Find out next in the rest of today's Something Good radio message, Psalms, ancient songs that shape the heart. Once again, here's Dr. Ron Jones. Here's another one, Psalm chapter 100, just tells us to enter his courts with praise. I remember growing up in a church in Indiana as a young boy, and our our church took this to heart and began every worship gathering with something known as the doxology. Remember this? Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise him all creatures here below. Uh, Praise him above ye heavenly hosts. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. That's a great way to enter into a time of corporate worship. If we're entering into worship either corporately or privately without praise on our lips and praise in our hearts, something's wrong with us. Jesus even taught us to pray, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. We start with praise. We start with worship. C.S. Lewis um, (laughs) read all of these references in the Psalms to praise and wondered, why why does God ask us to praise him? Is he insecure? Uh, Is he an egomaniac that just needs the praises of people? If I said to you, every time you're in my presence, you must praise me, you would think I was insecure or I was just some big, you know, had some big inflated head. C.S. Lewis asked that question. And of course, he came to the right Conclusion. He says, no, it's, it's not because God is swelling up in pride. First of all, it's because he's worthy of all the praise, number one. But secondly, um, directing our praise to God keeps us from thinking more highly of ourselves than we ought to think. And, and rather than being people who... who, who you know, live off of the praises of others. And if that describes you, you might have a security issue or a pride issue. No, when we redirect our praise in a Godward direction, well, it should remind us uh, at least of what the angels do day and night as they gather around the throne of God. Revelation 5 and verse 12 says they sing, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. The praise psalms, they invite us to worship the Lord and to redirect our praise in in the proper direction. There's another category of psalms uh, called thanksgiving psalms, right on the heels of the praise psalms. And we can go to Psalm chapter 100 uh, again as another example. It says, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. So there you have thanksgiving and praise as the proper way to enter into the presence of God, whether individually in your private times of worship or corporately. Again, if thanksgiving and praise are not a part of your heart, something needs to change. Something is not right. It goes on to say, give thanks to him, bless him. That's Psalm 100 and verse 4. Elsewhere in Psalm 75, another thanksgiving psalm says, we give thanks to you, O God, we give thanks, for your name is near. We recount your wondrous deeds. Uh, Christians ought to be the most grateful people on planet Earth. Every day should be a thanksgiving day. I'm, I'm grateful to our first president of the United States, George Washington, who made sure that America was a grateful nation. Uh, Grateful to the providence who cares for us, Washington said. 
In October 3rd, 1789, George Washington uh, designated November 26th as a day of public thanksgiving and prayer. That's a good start. But for believers in Jesus Christ, every day should be a day of thanksgiving. Um, find, find something for which to thank him and to praise him. The Psalms help us verbalize our gratitude to God. And um, if you're having difficulty or don't know how to do that, find a Thanksgiving Psalm and pray it back to him. Other Psalms uh, fill our hearts and minds with God's wisdom. This is another category, wisdom Psalms, or I like to call them success in life Psalms. Uh, Generally speaking, Psalms is a part of that Old Testament wisdom library, which uh, includes Job, Psalms, Proverbs, uh, Ecclesiastes, and the Song of Solomon. But um, some of the examples of individual Psalms of wisdom include, well, the first Psalm, Psalm chapter one, which is one of my favorites. It begins, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. Those are good verses to just commit to memory, Uh, not to mention the rest of the psalm. It's only, I don't know, six verses or so. Um, A wisdom psalm. Another one is found in um, Psalm chapter 128. And verses one and two, blessed is everyone who fears the Lord, who walks in his ways. You shall eat the fruit of the labor of your hands. You shall be blessed and it shall be well with you. One of the indications that you're reading a wisdom psalm is uh, the presence of the word blessed, right? And these two psalms, there's a sermon in these two psalms in and of themselves. According to these psalms, fearing the Lord, walking in his ways, delighting in his word, those are three keys to success in life, or what we might call the blessed life. You want to experience the blessed life. Well, read the book of Psalms. Read Psalm 1. Read Psalm 128 and, uh, and put those into practice. Are you still with me? There's th- those are three categories, praise Psalms, thanksgiving Psalms, um, and then these wisdom Psalms. A fourth category of Psalms um, are called lament Psalms. Shift gears here just a little bit. These psalms invite us to express our sorrows and our regret and our grief. A lament is a desperate cry or petition for help that rises from the depths of one's soul. And lament psalms invite us to, uh, well, to voice our brokenness, to to, uh, uh, voice our loneliness, Uh, to uh, give voice to our grief and our sorrows, especially as it relates to sin. But here's an example in Psalm chapter 13, a lament psalm. How long, O Lord, David writes. Have you ever been there? (laughs) Lord, how long do I have to deal with this loneliness? Have you you ever had thoughts like that, but you didn't know whether it was even appropriate to express them to God. I love the lament psalms because it gives permission to talk to God this way. He already knows what's on your heart.
Thanks so much for being here for today's Something Good radio message, Psalms, ancient songs that shape the heart. Visit somethinggoodradio.org to hear any of Dr. Ron Jones' messages on demand or to contact us for prayer. That's somethinggoodradio.org. I don't care how educated you are. I don't care how many advanced degrees you have. Wisdom has nothing to do with education. That just means you're educated. You got, you got through something. And, and three cheers for you. I have degrees too. Wisdom is the ability to take God's truth and put it into practice. It's the skill required to put knowledge, even the knowledge of God, into practice everyday life. Why read five Psalms and one proverb every day? Because the Psalms help you relate vertically to God. The Proverbs help us navigate everyday life in a horizontal kind of way. That's next time in part two of Dr. Ron Jones' message, Psalms, Ancient Songs That Shape the Heart. Join us then for Something Good. For Ron and the entire team here at Something Good Radio, I'm Brian Davis saying God bless and thanks for listening.